Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Two and a half years ago, I guess, we uh, sent you, I mean, you were going, you were called, but we as a church sent you down to Rama Bible Training Center. Bible College in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Exciting time. It's always exciting when somebody answers that call, and it's doubly exciting for uh, a Rhema-connected church to see, some, see one of ours go to Rhema, and triply exciting because uh, third generation, you know, after Pastor Larry, my dad, your grandpa, uh, uh, following the same course down to Rhema, and I know you've lit it Everybody down there is talking about you. You're the talk of the school, the talk of the town. Now he's making some great connections, and, and uh, um, he's he's been a he's been a great student. I'll I'll, I'll let him brag on his uh, Rama career sometime. I just did want I, I did want to share this with you, and it's honestly a scripture I meant to share with you the day we prayed over him and sent him out because this is about where we were on our Sunday morning series in Romans. Uh, it's a very um, familiar passage of scripture uh, in uh, Romans 10 beginning in verse 14 it says how then shall they call on him in whom well start in 13 for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So here, with his beautiful feet, I'm excited. Uh, You you can be making your way on up here, David. Uh, I had asked him before. He's been back for visits during his time at Ramah, and I've I've, I've, uh, made the pulpit available to him, and it it's kind of says something about his character and his uh, humility, that he just doesn't jump on that. Uh, a lot of Rhema students are like, man, they, they get one semester of Rhema under their belt, and they go, I've got to go back and tell everybody everything I know. And he's just been humble. I believe this is a young man who knows how to hear from God, and I believe that the word he's bringing today, he's bringing because God has laid it on his heart. I know you know him, but would you please give a warm, living word, a welcome home to David Gulliford. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. I'm not advertising for Microsoft, but that is that's what I have here. Um, it is good to be here. Wow, this looks a lot different than my room at home where I was practicing. Um, great to be here, not only in the pulpit, but uh, just to be able to gather. Like he said, last week I was here home, but not uh, in church, obviously. I was a little bummed not to be able to see a church family, because that's one of the best parts about being home, in my opinion, um, as well as the free food, the free laundry. But uh, it's really good to be here, um, an honor to be uh, standing up here, specifically. I can't use the cliche of, I mean, he introduced me, so I can't use the cliche of, I know I'm not Pastor Scott, but it seems like every guest speaker does that. But I will say, he, he said, I asked him uh, if there was anything specific he wanted me to share. He said, no, I can take my liberty, but keep it under two and a half hours. So 
going to try uh, to get you out of here before my flight leaves today. Um, yeah, uh, one of the things we were told at Rama between first and second year um, during the last week of school by one of the instructors was don't go home and tell people everything you know without, without being asked, basically, was the, the concept of that. Like, don't, don't flaunt everything you've learned because, honestly, you haven't learned that much is basically the, the flavor of that. So, uh, but to be asked to preach is, is an honor. And I have not, I'm two years, one term, and two weeks into school, into my three-year training at Rama, and I haven't preached there yet in class. I actually preach my first class sermon on Friday when I go back, so... Uh, this is good practice for me. But um, I've been very blessed. Um, my whole time at Rama, I've had, um, I've had the opportunity to listen to the audio from the sermons here. Um, but there's something different about this last, this third year since I've been down there. I've had the opportunity to watch it because we've been live streaming. And that's been a blessing for me. I don't know about you guys. It just, it's easier for me when I can actually see it, not just hear it. Um, so that's really helped me. I've, I feel a little bit more connected to what's going on here. I've loved the kind of series that's been going on, the battle ready, next battle, uh, armor up, the vigilance that you talked about last week online. And I uh, kind of want to tie in uh, what I believe the Lord has for me to share today um, with that. Uh, I prayed, since he said there was nothing specific he wanted me to share, I prayed... Um, about what God wanted me to share. And uh, I was praying in the spirit for like maybe two minutes and I heard the word unity. I was like, okay, that's, sure. And then over the next couple days, I kind of tried to stray from that when I was studying. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this instead. But there was no, no grace there when I was trying to study. So it just, I kept bringing, he kept bringing me back to the uh, topic of unity. Um, but in regards to the battles that we face in life, the spiritual battles that we go through, obviously, they're easier to go through when we have people with us. Um, when I think of spiritual warfare, an analogy that always comes to me, uh, often comes to me, is um, for a stretch of several years, um, my cousin Nathan and I, when we would gather at our grandparents for, I think Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas, one of those, for several years, we would, at some point in the day, we'd be out at our grandparents the whole day, and at some point, we would go back in our grandpa's office, look on the shelf for the VHS tape of Illinois versus Arizona basketball, 2005. Some of you know exactly that game. Uh, but I just think every, every time when it would get down to the wire, about three and a half minutes to go, Illinois is down by 15, I get that kind of nervous feeling in my stomach, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if they're going to pull it out. <laughs> but I just have to instantly remind myself, that game's already over. It's already been played. The outcome has already been decided. That's spiritual. Those are our spiritual battles. We, we may have that feeling of, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But ultimately, our instructors say it all the time. Read the back of the book. The, the victory is ours. We've already won, you know. Um, even if the end of a physical battle in this life is death, we still have the ultimate victory in, in heaven, if we know the Lord. Um, Ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We were not designed to fight against people. We were designed to fight with people, side by side. So I kind of wanted to tie that idea of unity 
um, into this today. And we're going to start in Psalm 133, if you want to turn there. If you have your Bibles, um, I encourage you, if you're watching online, I encourage you to turn where we're turning and engage in the service with us today. Um, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm going through the Bible chronologically. I started in late August, and this psalm was actually uh, on the list for this morning. It was very fitting. I'm just going to read verse 1, um, Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. How good and how pleasant it is. Who is it good and pleasant for? Um, first of all, it's good and pleasant that we dwell together in unity. That's good for us, obviously. Um, God, after God created Adam, he said it was not good that he should be alone. So he created Eve, and he designed them to be united, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, God set up the goodness and the pleasantness of unity for us. Uh, it's also good and pleasant for God that we are united because, again, that was his design. And it's also good and pleasant for the lost um, when we are united as a church. Whether they ever realize it or not, we more effectively reach the lost for the kingdom when we're united as a church. John 13.35 says, you don't have to turn there, but I, it'll be on the screen. Uh, John 13.35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's our love for each other in the church that draws the lost in. It's a powerful witness. So I'm gonna mention three uh, ways that we can and do unite as a church. These aren't the only three, they're in no particular order, but uh, these are the three that I believe God wanted me to highlight today. Uh, and the first one is worship, uh, as a way that we can and do unite as a church. Um, I don't think I ever felt this so strongly as when we first came back from the initial shutdown back in March, April, whenever that was. We had the, the one parking lot service, and then we were in here for the first service in early June, I think. I was standing up there as an usher and could see almost everyone in the building, and we were actually singing the song we just sang, The Blessing. And just to look over the crowd and see the, the united uh, moment of worship there throughout the whole service that day, but it was just a very powerful, powerful moment um, that, I mean, I can, I can worship God on my own 24-7. I can worship him in my car, in the shower, wherever, in my room, but there's something to be said for that corporate worship. There's just a, a different level there. Um, and we've seen the effect of united praise in battles in recent sermons that you've brought forth, Pastor Scott. Um, let's look at a couple of examples. Turn to Second Chronicles 20. If you want this full story, I believe... You preached it just a few weeks ago. Um, if you want to go back and hear that, I won't go through it all. I'll just read a couple of verses. Second Chronicles 20, 21, and 22. And when he, uh, Jehoshaphat, had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. God, you see, we see here, God fought for them as they praised. It was that, that unity of worship, and God showed up. Obviously, God is with us always, but when we're in that united praise, he manifests himself in a more powerful way. Um, another example, turn to Joshua 6. And you may see me up here 
turning in my physical Bible but reading from the tablet. It's because the only Bible I brought with me home was a King James, and I figured you didn't want to hear the these and thous, so just copy and paste it a little bit. Uh, Joshua 6, verses 15 and 16. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Again, here we see they praised ahead of time. Um, it's down, it's later in verse 20 that it says the wall fell flat. Um, and there are many examples in the Bible of individuals seemingly leading the charge in battle like David against Goliath, but David didn't charge after the Philistines by himself. He had, he had a group with him. Many times in the Bible we see, we see more examples of group victories than we do of individual victories. Um, now for, uh, let's go to a New Testament example in Acts chapter 2 real quick. You don't have to turn to all of these. There's quite a few. But. Acts 2 and the end of the chapter, verses 46 and 47. This is after the Holy Spirit fell. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So in those, those first two examples, we see that unity benefits us because we have the victory. Um, we have the victor's crown like we sung about this morning. Um, but here in this example, we see they were in one accord, and then that little phrase at the start of verse 47, praising God, they were worshiping. And then that last phrase, and the Lord added to the church daily. So their unity was benefiting the lost. It was making it easier for God to just add to the church those who were being saved. Um, uh, our united worship is a pleasing sound to God. Um, it, it wouldn't be so pleasing if, uh, first of all, I am, again, as I always am here, blessed by the praise and worship team this morning. Um, we are very, very blessed to have people who can step in and step up when other people aren't, aren't able to be here. Um, I'm just very thankful to be in a church where the worship is really powerful, uh, especially this morning. It was very good. Um, but just imagine, I don't think it would be quite as pleasant of a sound if, say, the, the drummer clicked off a song at a high tempo as a praise song, and then the piano started playing a slow, worshipful song, and the guitar player's doing his own thing or falling asleep in the back, and all the singers are singing four different songs, and there's no unity. That would be chaos. And, uh, but our united praise, when we're all on the same page, it ministers to the Lord. And that's, that's the purpose of worship, the corporate worship. That's why we're here. Um, you don't have to turn to this one, but Acts 13, 2, I'm just going to read just the beginning of the verse to connect uh, something here. 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. I'm just going to cut that off there because just to show you, uh, when they ministered to the Lord, when they worshiped, the Holy Spirit showed up. He manifested and that's where Paul and Barnabas were separated and called unto their ministry. Um, worship invites the presence. Uh, and that's, that's the main reason I believe that we do it at the beginning of the service, just to kind of set our minds in the right place. It invites the presence of God. And that uh, transitions me to number two, uh, ways we can and do unite as a church. Number one, worship. 
Number two, the spirit. Um, the Godhead is the perfect picture of unity in the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, creation wouldn't have worked so well if God said, let us make man in our own image, and the Holy Spirit was like, nah, let's, let's not. No, the Godhead had to be in unity in order for creation to work. Um, without unity, there's chaos. But the Holy Spirit shows up when we're unified. The, uh, as we saw, or as we will see in Acts, we'll go back to Acts chapter 2, um, the 120 who were gathered in the upper room, they were in one accord, and again, the Holy Spirit showed up. He manifested in a big way. Um, if you're still in Acts, save your place there. We'll come back to it and go to Genesis chapter 11, please. I noticed uh, my sister Emily was reading in Genesis yesterday, and I went in her room and... Uh, I was like, oh, I'll be preaching, I'll be mentioning a passage in Genesis, and I said, should I say Tower of Babel or Tower of Babel? And just without hesitation, she says, Babel. <laughs> she was only in Genesis 1, so hopefully she'll get to it, and the Lord will deliver her from that. Genesis 11, chapter 1, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 8. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Doesn't sound like a good cake to me. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5. But the Lord came down to the city to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. God recognized the power of unity, even in the wrong hands. He noticed that they were unified, obviously, because they had one language, and he had to go down there and confuse them. And notice what he did to get them out of unity. He didn't, he didn't touch their minds, which would have confused them enough, obviously. He didn't touch their hands, which would have prevented them from building. He touched their mouths to confuse their language. Um, and that's so often the words we speak are often what divide us today, or the words we, we dictate our thumbs to type sometimes. But... Um, I'll get back to that. Let's flip back to Acts 2 um, to see this redeemed. Um, Acts 2, we see in 1.14 that they're all in one accord in the upper room. And then in two, chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, still, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, we as Spirit-filled believers have the opportunity to unite for good and for God. God noticed at the Tower of Babel or Babel that uh, those men were using their united language for harm. They were abusing it, the unity, and God confused their language. But here in Acts chapter 2, he's saying, okay, 
Now, now that they have the Holy Spirit, I am giving them back that united language, that spirit language that they can use for good and for, for his purposes. Um, a whole group of uh, spirit-filled believers may, praying in tongues may sound like chaos to a stranger, and it did to the people who were here in Jerusalem. There were people from all different nations and people groups hearing them in their own languages. So to the human ear, that sounds like that's too, too much going on at once, but to God, it's a united sound uh, of one, one um, voice, really. Um, I, I believe that speaking in tongues corporately is the most united sound we make to God. Um, with worship, I think, is a close second. The only reason I say that, I think in worship we have the tendency, I could, I could be standing there worshiping with everyone else singing the same words, which is great, but I could be thinking, oh, what am I going to do for lunch? I got so many things to pack before I fly out today. I could let my mind wander, and I could let my flesh get in the way with speaking in tongues too, but the word says that when we pray in tongues, the mind is unfruitful. So I believe it's maybe a more concentrated effort to yield our tongues to him and let him pray through us. Um, and I think it's, an, I mean, God can do more in five minutes of us praying in tongues than we can do in hours of praying in English. Um, uh, I think it's a really underutilized tool in the church. I mean, it's great if someone comes up to you and they say, man, I've been struggling with this battle. Will you pray with me? And you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. That's, that's great, but how much better would it be if we said, hey, can we take a couple minutes and just pray in the spirit about this together? I think, I mean, what, there's such power in that. I think that we, myself included, we can all get better at utilizing. Um, and I'll just throw in a little plug here for uh, the prayer meetings that go on here at Living Word. Um, Saturday morning, men's prayer, 7 a.m., and Monday night prayer, 7 p.m. Um, great times to, if you're only concerned about maybe not going to one of those meetings, is, oh my gosh, they're going to make me pray in front of everybody. No, they're not going to do that. But it's a great place to learn how to pray and just to unite corporately. And there's always praying in tongues that happens. And I've, I've learned a lot from going to both. Um, it's just a great place to learn how to pray. Um, and then third, the third um, way we can and do unite as a church, we had worship and spirit, praying in the spirit specifically. The third is a little more obvious. It's love. Um, Colossians 3.14, if you want to turn there quickly. Um, then we'll go to Ephesians. Uh, in this chapter, Paul is uh, talking about the different things we put on, the different apparel we have as new creatures in Christ. He talks about humility and putting on forgiveness and kindness. And then verse 14 of chapter 3, he says, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is what unites us. Love is the foundation of every other Christian attitude. Um, uh, if you want to flip over back a little bit to Ephesians 4. This is uh, the, the cornerstone passage of Rhema is obviously Mark 11, 23, and 24. But I, would, I don't have the stats, but I would venture to guess that the most turned to passage in my classes has been this one. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 11, we'll go down through 16. And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And Paul has some long sentences, but, but you see in that passage the, the tie-in between unity and love. You can't, you can't really have one without the other. Um, and you see unity is one of the goals of ministry. God set up the, the five-fold ministry, the evangelist, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. Um, and one of the goals of that was unity. And we'll never, obviously, we will never reach pure 100% unity um, this side of heaven. But that's the goal we're going towards. Um, and it doesn't mean we can't disagree with one another in the church. It, unity doesn't mean the laying aside of our opinions, but unity should mean loving, no matter what those opinions are or how they may differ. Um, we're allowed to disagree with one another. Uh, Paul and Barnabas disagreed uh, in a certain place in Acts uh, regarding the, uh, the involvement of John Mark on one of their trips, and they, they split over it. We're allowed to disagree, but we're not allowed, if you will, to not love. That has to be uh, what we do in the church. Uh, our love for each other, as I said earlier, is what brings the world in. Um, there's a great line that I love from a Casting Crown song that says, when we love, we earn the right to speak the truth. And when we speak truth, we show the world we truly love. Amen. It's cyclical. You can't, if you just love and don't, don't share truth, we become too accepting of sin and not just the sinner. And if we just speak truth without love, we're too harsh. We have to have both in balance. And that Jesus was our perfect example of that. He would love people, but he would speak truth into their life to the point where they, they weren't the same when they left him. First uh, John, this is the last verse, First John 4. First John 4, 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Our first responsibility is to love God. Um, and we only have the capacity to love God because he first loved us. Uh, if, if you are ever doubting the love of God or want a further understanding of the love of God, I encourage you to read 1 John. It is an <clears throat> excellent book um, on that topic, specifically the love of God, the life of God, the light of God. It's a great book to read. And that, that uh, because he first loved us, that concept is right there in, in uh, 419. Um, so we, we can and do unite as a church through our worship, through, our, through the spirit, through prayer, through love, and that benefits God, it benefits us, it benefits the lost. That's essentially what I have today. Uh, praise the worship team, you can come uh, make your way back up. Um, none, none of what I said today about, specifically about corporate worship and corporate prayer was meant to... Um, exclude or alienate any of the current online 
congregation. You guys are still a part of this corporate body, whether you can be here physically or not. Uh, we look so forward to seeing you again, but again, as I said earlier, I encourage you to engage in these services fully. Um, tune in if you're able to at 9.30 Sunday mornings and worship wherever you're at. Worship with us as we do. Um, turn to the scriptures as we do here. Um, there's no distance in the spirit. Uh, as we worship together, that is, that is Living Word Family Church's united um, sound to the Lord. And obviously, again, the very nature of praying in tongues is, is unity. It's, it's you yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. It's your, your tongue, his words, going to God and praying out his perfect will. Um, Romans, did I go to Romans? Romans 8. 26, I said that was the last verse, but I'm going to go another one. Romans 8, 26 and 27, uh, there it is. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Our our praying in the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming alongside us and praying out the will of God. And there are no, no more perfect prayers than those. Um, and again, if you, if you can't be here physically for a prayer meeting, but you have that time, that Monday at 7 p.m. or Saturday at 7 a.m., you have that time open in your week, I encourage you just to pray. Again, there's no distance in the Spirit. Use your faith to, to hook up with what's being done here and believe that God is big enough to tie it all in. Um, because he is. Uh, praise God. Um, as I wrap this up, I just, uh, I wanted this to be an encouragement that we are, that Living Word Family Church is a united front for God um, as we love, as we worship together, as we pray together, as we love one another. That's going to be what benefits us in our personal lives. We get, uh, we are more victorious when we're, we're together. Um, when we're not on our own, and it benefits, it ministers to God, and it is an effective way to bring the lost in um, to the church. And if you're here this morning, uh, I feel like I recognize most of you, but if you're here this morning and you haven't been able to experience that unity, that, um, uh, that safety in, in being with God because you haven't accepted him as Savior or confessed him as Lord in your life, um, this is the best day to do it, obviously. Um, this is officially Advent season uh, beginning, which is when we begin to celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And his, his mission was uh, to do the will of God by dying in our place, taking sin on himself. And he did that for us. That was supposed to be us on the cross dying in sin. But he took our place. He did that for us. Um, and you can walk and live in that freedom today. And also, if you're here and you've experienced that freedom before, but maybe you haven't been uh, living it out, you haven't been worshiping like you should or praying like you should or loving well, uh, Jesus, God still loves you. He still forgives you. He still wants to have that relationship with you, uh, despite what you may or may not be doing. Um, the solution is not to run further from him, but to draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. 
That's, that's a promise in the Bible. So if there's anybody um, uh, on either of those invitations, and we can stand, I'm sorry. <clears throat> if there's anybody on either of those uh, first two invitations who would say, yes, I, I want that relationship with God for the first time, or I want to get back into right standing with God, um, just raise your hand. We're not having people come down at the time, but uh, we will all pray a prayer together if there is anyone in here who would say yes on either of those. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.